Hey there, what's happening, everybody? Thank you for tuning into Hail Yes, a Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan writer for The Free, joined by Reiner Sabin, our Big Ten insider. Reiner, it brings me great joy to say this as we record at right about noon on Sunday, September 17th. It is Big Ten season. Are you ready? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it's it's a it is a relief to kind of get past this uh, stretch of uh, non-conference games that really are not don't bring much excitement from a, a fan standpoint or even from a, a reporter standpoint, just based on the the quality of the competition. Have you ever been this excited to see Rutgers? I mean, Rutgers actually is, looks pretty good. I know. They're, 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 I know. You know, they they. Pretty much destroyed Virginia Tech uh, on Saturday, so uh, they might pose a challenge. I mean, they've kind of given Michigan some fits ever since Gianna's been there. So uh, I think that uh, you know it's actually could be an interesting game. Yeah, they have certainly at different times. Last year's fifty-two seventeen in uh, in Piscataway wasn't too troubling, but uh, but we're actually going to get to that uh, as as we take a look at the Big Ten East in our B block uh, of this show. But uh, but first things first, well, we're going to do this in two segments. First is our three thoughts, all about Bowling Green. Michigan beat Bowling Green 31-6. to But uh, wow, uh, if ever there were, were uh, a 25-point win that, that did not feel like one, I, I, th- I think it would be last night. J.J. Uh, McCarthy certainly struggled uh, his, his roughest game as a Michigan Wolverine. Uh, we'll start with that. We'll get into our thoughts about the run game and then uh, the defense that carried the day again uh, against a bad quarterback. Yet again, what what are our thoughts about how they have, have really shined through three weeks? And then, as we said, on the other side of the break, break, Big Ten power rankings. Is Michigan number one for both of us? We will see. Uh, and they would have been certainly heading into this week. But Reiner, that 31-6 to performance, uh, certainly left some question marks, at least for me. Let's start with uh, with, with the glaring one, J.J. McCarthy, three interceptions. Yeah, it was a surprising uh, performance by him. Uh, disappointing, too, obviously. I mean, he was erratic uh, all game long, uh, you know, making questionable decisions, um, some uh, bad throws uh, that just, you know, missed the mark altogether. And then, uh, you know, obviously he faced a little bit more uh pressure uh that he had to kind of contend with too so i mean overall it was a a kind of a disconcerting uh outing but also one that you know they didn't really suffer many consequences obviously because of the opponent they were facing right but just because there are no consequences i i don't think that means there are no are no consequences right like i guess in, in terms of in terms of your psyche like just because there's no l doesn't mean uh, right. that, that there's not a setback and and may, maybe some some different concerns. Uh, I, w- I want to take a look or or at least break down a little bit sort of the the, the interceptions as much as we can uh, without without really having uh, gone back in, into the, the the all 22. At least I have not. The first one seemed to be and Tron Moore said as much uh, was what he called a spacing issue. Uh, I think they don't really like to uh, to call out individuals. It looked like I believe it was AJ Barner uh, on the far side uh, was sort sort of was not spaced out wide enough, and his route brought a corner into the waiting zone where Roman Wilson would have been streaking across. Um, 
And so it's hard to know whether to blame that on JJ. Certainly the second one where it's a post pattern to Cornelius Johnson uh, deep down the middle of the, of the field. And I, I mean, I mean, the safety just easily, easily undercut it. There, there was n- never really a window there to begin with. Although JJ McCarthy has thrown balls into places where there appear to not be windows. So that's kind of that catch 22 when you're as talented as he. And then I think, the third pick, perhaps the most concerning or maybe the least concerning, I, that seems like a weird sentence, depending on how you say it, it is the most concerning because it was just so careless uh, when you're when you're throwing, when you're scrambling, rolling left, uh, and there is obviously no one open. He said he tried to throw the ball away into the, in, into the stands. How someone as accurate as J.J. McCarthy tries to throw the ball out of bounds and leaves it in bounds is very hard for me to believe. Uh, he said he's done it the, the the same in practice, and he will never again leave a ball too close. He will throw it into the 300 level if he needs. Uh, so it's not concerning because it's avoidable. But man, when it, it is concerning because JJ has said, and through those first two weeks, it looked like he had gotten that that careless pass out out of his game that we saw arise a couple times late in the season last year versus TCU. Uh, yesterday, I think careless would would be uh, an appropriate word. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, the the throw downfield to Cornelius Johnson, I also think he kind of somewhat gave up on the route a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah. And But, I mean, it was a bad decision because, I mean, I think Roman Wilson was pretty much wide open on that play, that same that very same play. And then you had also, you know, again, you alluded to the, uh, uh, the Colston Loveland throw. I, I don't know. There really wasn't much to gain from that pass to begin with. I mean, probably – you know, throwing away and, and cutting your losses, I mean, is obviously um, a better way to do that. Um, you know, it was just uh, and not a great decision. And then also, you know, the the throw in the end zone, again, I, again, I mean, I think that there's a lot of truth to the fact that, you know, again, Barner probably brought a defender into that, you know, window, which, which uh, you know, ended up messing up the play altogether. So, you know, again, there's, there's, you know, fault to go around, but it mainly lies at JJ's feet. And, you know, that's the, that's what you get when you're in the Michigan quarterback. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tough position. I mean, a lot very scrutinized and, you know, as much as praise as he got in the first two weeks, he's going to get a lot of criticism for this performance uh, this past Saturday. And his line could have been even rougher, Reiner, that, that 50 yard pass to, to Cornelius Johnson that, that resulted as a third of his passing yards and one of his two touchdowns was batted first by the defensive, defensive back. Um, yeah, the, JJ the did say he knew, he, he said he knew that the defender had a club on his hand, on one of his hands. And so he trusted Cornelius to make a 50-50 play. Still, that's, I it, it was still a, a, a questionable uh, a pass um, and and a tough way to get what was their best offensive play of the night that was not the Blake Corum run. Uh, so w- as we do, we will transition to to the running game. Uh, Blake Corum, uh, twelve rushes, hundred one yards, two touchdowns. It all started with a, with a fifty four yard run on on the first play of, of the game, uh, at least for Michigan's offense, and. That whole drive, four plays, 77 yards, uh, really effortless. It looked like it might be one of those types of nights early to, to start Reiner, that, that Michigan might just steamroll. But after after those first 
four runs for 77 yards. Michigan, 27 runs, 92 yards the rest of the way. What did you make of their rushing effort? I mean, it wasn't all that different from the first two weeks. I mean, it was, you know, they, they've become kind of a feast and famine type rushing attack, which, you know, uh, again, Jim Harbaugh talked about uh, last week, uh, the idea that they're, you know, not getting enough efficient runs uh, and, you know, they're getting stopped, you know, for zero and three yards and just, you know, not consistently moving the chains. I mean, you get these chunk plays occasionally uh, that they've had with, uh, you know, Blake Corum usually being the one who does that. And then, uh, you know, they, they get stopped for, you know, two yards, one yard, no gain, maybe even a lost, you know, lost yardage. And so it's, it's a, it's a concerning, you know, thing. I, 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 I'm honestly surprised that, you know, they, they haven't been able to establish the run, uh, better than they have against these types of teams. And it, it does raise questions going into big 10 play when, you know, especially against, you know, now that they're facing Rutgers right out of the gate in big 10, I mean, everybody said, Oh, it's Rutgers. Well, I mean, they usually have a pretty good linebacking core and, you know, Shiana's got a pretty good defense. I mean, you know, you alluded to the fact that the game last year, uh, you know, was 52 to 17 or whatever, but I mean, that, that game was nip and tuck in the first half. And, uh, you know, again, the year before, which was, a uh, you know, Big Ten title team went to the college football playoff. You know, they were they were sweating bullets in the fourth quarter. It was a twenty to thirteen win. You know, and you know, and obviously in twenty twenty, <laughs> they were dragged into three overtimes. And you know, who knows what would have happened if they lost that game? I mean, Jim Harbaugh might not even be the coach. So I mean, that Rutgers team has given them fits. You know, at times, and I, their defense is their defense is usually pretty you know pretty solid. Um, you know, especially in kind of the, the front set. I mean, I usually, you know, eventually, you know, Michigan breaks them down, but it's not always that easy, you know. That's that's how Michigan did it last year. Good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, that run game just sort of wore down as Michigan did yeah. to everybody, literally mm-hmm. everybody until mm-hmm. TCU last season. It, it, it was their recipe. Um and, and also Michael Barrett, two interceptions, returned one for a touchdown. That that really flipped the tide early yeah, in that right. fourth quarter. But you're right, Reiner. I mean, I mean, we say usually Rutgers defense is pretty good. This might be the best of the bunch. Right now, Rutgers run defense through three weeks, ranked eleventh in the nation, mm-hmm. giving up fewer than 70 rushing yards per game. I was just going going through this earlier today, uh for, for, for the story that that will be up on free.com by the time this publishes about what is Michigan football through three weeks of, of the season? Uh, there are three opponents. East Carolina is the number 100 run defense. UNLV is number 86. And Bowling Green is 101. So these are bottom tier run defenses. And that's even weighing into the fact that one of the three opponents those teams have faced is Michigan, right? So it, so numbers could be even more heavily like weighted against them uh, at this point in time. And and Michigan facing nearly top ten run run defense this this upcoming week it is concern. There's reason to be concerned go, going into the game that that Michigan might struggle on offense again. And I wanted to talk a little bit I about about each of the of the backs individually. Uh, I, I was talking with, with with a couple other writers post game yesterday who said they still felt like Blake Corum did not look like Blake Corum. I actually disagree with that. Yesterday, I thought I thought, I thought he was the I best. Thought, 
Yeah, that's, I, 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 I that, that was his best performance. I thought. I know. Far. Was that, and it, was yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was it was questionable. Yeah. I mean, he was falling. He was falling forward. He was shifty. He was patient. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. saw yeah. you saw the wiggle. Um, I mean, and, mm-hmm. and Michigan has been taking it easy with him. Uh, uh working him working him back. Yeah. He has forty two touches. Forty two touches through three weeks. It's fourteen a game. I mean, there were games, there were halves where he would run the ball twenty to twenty five times a half last mm-hmm. year. So so they're being very conscious with with what they're doing with him and his production. 6.9 yards per carry is as productive. I mean, he averaged just under six per carry last year. So he, I'm, I'm not concerned about, about Blake Corum. And yesterday, while, I mean, Donovan Edwards, nine rushes, four of them were those, quote, non-productive runs uh, that, that, that Jim Harbaugh d- does not like for three r- yards or fewer. However, he was better yesterday a little bit than in, than in some of the other ways. Uh, nine rushes, as I said, 50 yards. Um, but he had a run of 11, a run of eight, a run of 10, a run of six, a run of five. Uh, so th- th- that's that's not nothing. And, and what I liked as I look on pro football focus, sort of the, the run uh, direction breakdown, he had one run sort of off the left edge for, for 11. Uh, his left guard run only went for run. His run to the middle left uh, between the center and the left guard went for eight and I'm, I'm not going to break each one down, but then six and then they had to run. So, and then five and then 10. So it was not like he only had success running one style, between behind one side of the line, there was a little more opening on, on, on each side. And I made a note in particular on Michigan's second drive. Uh, it was their third snap of the game. Uh, when they had the lightning personnel on 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 the field, Corum and Edwards, I think it was the play they sent Corum in motion, which sort of got linebacker shifting one way. They handed it to Edwards up the middle. He paused, waited for a hole to clear, and then shot through it for a gain mm-hmm. of eight. It was just eight. It was just eight yards, but that was for me maybe my favorite Donovan Edwards run of the year. Now, that's certainly an indictment of where he is, but I thought he was a little better yesterday. I'd agree with that. I mean, he it looked like he was more uh, committed to hitting the hole and then and then driving forward as quickly. I mean, you know, as possible as opposed to in the first couple of weeks where he, he looked rather tentative and uh, unsure of where the hole was opening up and and, and you know did, didn't seem as uh, committed to whatever hole he was going to go run through. So uh, I thought he I thought he looked better. In this game, I, I I do think that there's obviously some issues with the offensive line. I mean, the fact that they, you know, rotated out, you know, Miles Hinton for, um, and then seemed to move Carson Barnhart over to the right side, and then have Ladarius Henderson in the left tackle. I know that they were talking about the Michigan method, you know, but then to have this happen in the third conference game, you know, midway through, it seems a little bit strange, and it sounds like you know maybe they've shifted their thinking midstream about how they were going to handle this and hoping it was going to be one way and maybe now having to consider another alternative. Uh, I don't know what you thought about that, but I thought it was uh, a little bit alarming. Yeah, Reiner, I did think it was somewhat alarming, uh, but really what struck me as much as anything was the way Michigan chose to handle it, Uh, not just replacing Trente Jones on the right side for Miles Hinton, but sort of a double shift, right? 
bringing Carson Barnhart across to the right side and then Ladarius Henderson in at, at left tackle. Yes, Barnhart uh, did, did have a good amount of experience on the right side last year, but if it's close, I mean, <laughs> far be it for me to be an offensive line coach, but here's how I would imagine the less shifting, the better. Uh, and so uh, I, I would have, I would have guessed it would, it would have gone. They would have gone with Trenty Jones, especially since they had been bringing him in uh, on, on a lot of their their packages when they when they have uh, an, an extra lineman on the field. Uh, it is probably time. I was just about to ask you if you think it's time to be officially concerned with the offensive line, and I don't think it's concerned that it's not still an elite offensive line, but. Right now, as one of my bold predictions for the season, I said I thought Michigan was going to win a third Joe Moore award uh, in a row. Uh, right now, they are not playing like that. No, I don't think they are. And, uh, you know, I do think that there's some some weaknesses there. Uh, uh, I thought I think they're better at pass protection right now than they are at run blocking, which, you know, again, may shift their approach uh, as, a, uh, as an offense uh, where they may lean more on the pass because they have to, not necessarily because they want to. And that that's the question. I mean, you know, can, can they do this and run the offense in a different way and be as effective as they were the last couple of years, especially through the Big Ten schedule? Um, you know, that's, that's the million-dollar question. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, basically, uh, yeah, from what I've seen so far, the offensive line is just not – you know, consistent enough where they're winning at the point of the ta- point of attack from a down to down basis. And, uh, you know, Michigan did that all the time. It seemed the last couple of years where, I mean, there was really never a question about whether they were going to control the line of scrimmage. Now there is. And so, uh, you know, going into big 10 play, I would say that would be concerning, especially considering the identity of this team has been its ground attack the last couple of years and really is about its physicality. I mean, they want to, they just want to outmuscle you. And that's kind of them, you know, that's, that's also the Michigan method. Um, and so uh, to not see them be able to do that against some kind of, you know, group of five teams that are really, uh, you know, uh, who, who knows what their outlook is this season, but I mean, they're certainly not going to be, you know, top tier teams, uh, it's uh, it, it, it's worrisome, I would say. Yeah, they might not even be bowl teams. Um, but where there has not been any worries thus far uh, is on the other side of the ball for Michigan uh, with, with the defense. Now, you, they can only play who's in front of them. There has not been a true quarterback to test them to this point. However, uh, Michigan has given up – the first team defense has has given up three points – uh, all season. Yes, it allowed six yesterday, but I don't count uh, allowing three points when your offense turns the ball over on your side of the field, you force a three and out, and then they make a field goal. That You were not responsible for that. Um, Michigan did everything they could, uh, the defense, short of forcing a turnover there. So um, last week, we were very impressed uh, with the, the interior of the defensive line, specifically uh, Kenneth Grant, uh, Mason Graham. Uh, Chris Jenkins, uh, was not as, as productive last week. He got in on the action this week. Uh, but I also want to mention Jalen Harrell, who is having just a heck of a start to the season. 
Uh, he had a three play stretch in week two where he had a sack, then did not have a sack and then had a sack. Uh, and now that is no longer even his best <laughs> three play stretch of the season, because on the first defensive play of the second half uh, in again against Bowling Green, he forced the pressure on the the Falcons third string quarterback uh, who then forced a, forced a, a screen pass that Chris Jenkins was able to to intercept. And then on the next series, on the second play, Jalen Harrell came away with the, the strip sack and uh, Michael Barrett was able to fall on it. So wanted to make sure we started with him. What else stood out to you on that side of the ball runner? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, again, San was still, uh, is, yeah. you know, again, proving himself to be, um, you know, kind of an elite defender. I mean, he's one of the, uh, the players I kind of, uh, immediately gravitate my eyes at least, you know, kind of seem to focus in on anytime he's on the field. I don't know what it is about that. It just, uh, he, it's, it seems like he's always around the ball and that's always a good sign. Um, you know, I feel, I feel like the, the defensive line, I mean, you know, again, Chris Jenkins looked like he, um, you know, was, was more active and certainly had the interception, which was again, a clever, clever play on his part. He kind of, you know, read the eyes of the quarterback and, uh, was able to kind of come up with a big play in that situation, uh, which was actually a pretty pivotal play considering, you know, uh, you know, where they were in the game at the time that he made it. And so it kind of, uh, allayed any concerns that, you know, Bowling Green was going to actually do something uh, to threaten Michigan in that in that game, and so uh, you have to, you know, the, again the defense has been solid uh, ever since they've implemented this uh, this scheme, this kind of multiple scheme from the Baltimore Ravens, and um, they seem to be particularly be able to shut down inferior teams for sure, um, and that's you know. Uh, that's that's evident, and then also, I mean, again, because of their versatility from a defensive standpoint, they really can match up with some of these spread teams too. Yeah, and I don't know if that side of the ball will be all that more tested against Rutgers, which I, I, I mean is better on offense this season, but but not a true true, I mean, power by by any means uh, offensively. However, it's. Well, we want to give tons of credit to Michigan, and 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 they they deserve credit. Uh, Bowling Green's quarterback spent all week. I heard one staffer telling a a, a Michigan uh, one of Michigan spokesmen that 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 their third string quarterback spent all week uh, as JJ yeah. McCarthy running right. the scout team. Right? Uh, he had he had yeah. not taken a snap. Um, <laughs> now now there is something to be said for Michigan having game plan for Connor Bazelak all week long. And then only to find out to an hour before game time, oh, it's actually Camden Orth who's going in. And I think that's why Michigan's defense had a little bit of trouble with Orth early on. He was 8 of 11, 91 yards. If there is anything to be concerned with, there was a 3rd and 10 conversion. There was a 3rd and 15 conversion. Uh, Josh Wallace was also beat very badly, very badly on one double move. Yeah, Bowling Green mm-hmm. And Bowling Green's best receiver. Adulair had a wide open touchdown, literally bounce off his hands in the end zone. But I mean that that can happen to any team uh, on any drive, and for there to just be one true drive, and that was the drive that the defense gave up the three points, as we mentioned. So outside of that drive, Michigan has not allowed a team to cross half field uh, and, and even attempt 
a, a look at points. Their, their first defense hasn't. So uh, I was very impressed. And but, but, and and they weren't starting their top, you know, again, DBs. I mean, they, you know, Quinn and Johnson was playing. And you know, I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, again, they were, their secondary is not at full strength. So, I mean – uh rod moore has not yet played bill johnson has played eight snaps yeah exactly yeah and so i mean it's it's not your you know the true starting defense that you're seeing yet so um you know i in that in light of that but i i think your point is very valid obviously they're playing against a you know a walk-on uh quarterback who again, was playing scout team the entire week, really didn't understand probably Bowling Green's own protections and, you know, totally the the entire playbook. I mean, he was just kind of, I think they were doing some stuff on the fly. I think Scott Leffler had to make some real in-game adjustments just to just to guide his quarterback through. I mean, this was not the, this was not the plan to go into Michigan. With the, the, yeah, to, to play, you know, to play him at, at all. Yeah. Yeah, Reiner. I think those in-game adjustments were just sort of mailing it in and accepting uh, that, that this one was over because they had a number of players who were carted off. And if you recall, his the the, the third-string quarterback's final throw of the first half was intercepted. Then the throw to begin the second half was intercepted. It was clear the offense was not going anywhere. Uh, and and Tron Moore said as much uh, after the game. He said they were content to just sort of hand it off, run it and get out of there as healthy as, as everyone could. Um, so I think there, there there was some of that as well. Had that not happened, Michigan might have faced a little more trouble. But we're going to take a quick break. We were due to wrap that up anyway. We're going to look at the Big Ten power rankings on the other side. This is Hail Yes. All right. Welcome back, Reiner. I think things have settled down on the other side of this door. Uh, first, the internet went out, then the dog. Um, we're, but we're keeping this thing rolling because it's no longer non-conference season. We're supposed to be in Big Ten form. So uh, power on, we shall. Uh, I think it's time to power rank the Big Ten, Reiner, now that the conference slate is going to begin. We're going to work our way. From the bottom up, we will not spend our time as much on the bottom. And I should say the conference. It is really just the division, the Big Ten East, because the Big Ten West is trash and irrelevant. So, Reiner, I'm going to start with you. Who do you have in your seventh spot? Uh, I've got Indiana right now. Um, just, you know, again, they're a weak team. It's just they've fallen off since that 2020 kind of surge, which was led by Michael Penix Jr., who just – Destroyed Michigan State and uh, East Lansing. Uh, we'll go back out to the, you know, Seattle and probably destroy the rest of the Pac-12 <laughs> as well. So, um, you know, he's, uh, I mean, he he made Indiana a couple of years ago, and so I mean, they just have not been they've not been the same since. No, he is serious business. Uh, I also have Indiana at seven, um, but this was a coin flip, Reiner. Uh, I almost put uh, the team who they beat uh, for their last Big Ten win at seven. Um, but I think a lot of teams uh, can't handle Washington right now, especially given the, the week Michigan State just went through. Um, I mean, that is part of a power ranking. It is why they are certainly trending down. Things look like they're falling apart in East Lansing, um, so I, which is why I'll just go to that's who I have six. Um, 
Indiana, I did I did keep it seven. Michigan State six. Things are are went from rough to even rougher uh, in East Lansing this week. A really bad week um, with with the departure of Mel Tucker, the suspension of Mel Tucker, and then to to lose. I think the final was forty one to seven. Fall behind forty one nothing. I mean. Michigan State will have nightmares about Michael Penix just for years and years. I don't know if I've ever seen one person uh, j- just torture an- another defense like this for so many years for different teams. MSU has to get it together very quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was a dreadful performance. I mean, they gave up 713 yards. Uh, the offense was comatose for pretty much the – for three quarters. When Noah Kim was in the game, their starter – uh, you know, it, it was, it was rough all the way around. Uh, they didn't look like they belonged on the same field as Washington. Uh, it was, it wasn't even competitive in, in the least. And, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it's just, it, it just is amazing how far that program has fallen since this time last year. I mean, you know, as I've written about, they, um, entered the Washington game last year as the number nine team in the coaches poll. I mean, it's just amazing how far, you know, things have just unraveled uh, or the degree to which they've unraveled. And, you know, the the Mel Tucker suspension, I mean, just raises questions about the future. You know, the one thing I will say for MSU is that, you know, it's a a program, strong program, well-financed program in the Big Ten, you know, which is one of the two major conferences now. They'll probably get some attractive candidates. And with the way the transfer portal is, you can you can rebuild a roster pretty quickly nowadays, and so I think you know for people writing them off, you know, long term, I don't think that that you can necessarily do that. So right now they're number five, you know, six in the in the Big Ten East, but who knows what we'll see in a in a year? I mean, maybe two years. They they may very well be back up in the you know top three or four teams in the in, in uh, on that side of. Of course, there's not going to be divisions, but you know, at least they might be in the. They might be in that, you know, four, five, six range in the yeah. Big Ten in general. Yeah, I was going to say, Reiner, uh, yeah, there, there won't be a, a Big Ten East, but things yeah. can things can cycle. Who, who do you have at five? five this is where uh, I, I had to start splitting. Yeah, I've got Rutgers uh, right now just because um, I don't know about their, you know, their upside. I don't see them as great as Maryland. Uh, necessarily, but I think they're very solid, and I agree that that's probably a coin flip between the two right now. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Maryland's more intriguing just because of the quarterback uh, they have, and so I think they have more potential uh, to shock, you know, a team, you know, maybe in that, you know, whether it's Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, let's say, say maybe Rutgers. Um, so that's why I have Maryland. You know, up there, and I think you know Mike Loxley has done a much better job, you know, recruiting, um, and he's brought in a lot of talent there over the years um, to make them pretty competitive. Uh, you know, I think Shiano has too, but I think Maryland's getting a little bit higher class of player too. Yeah, and I I could have gone that way as well, but I had the opportunity to put Rutgers at four in a Big Ten East power ranking. You think I am passing that up? Not a chance. Not a chance. So Maryland uh, is is my five. Uh, I mean, I mean, frankly, yes, they they beat Virginia by by four touchdowns again uh, yesterday, but Virginia's on three. Virginia is terrible. 
Uh, Charlotte, who who they beat in week two, uh, is is not great either. I think yeah. they are, they have a losing record. They're one and two, yeah. and I'm not sure if Towson. I uh, did not check uh, if uh, they did win yesterday over Morgan State. So they are now one and two. But I mean, they beat they beat nobody. Um, we we see this from Maryland a lot, uh, all the time. In fact, uh, the good, the, the solid non-conference, the quarterback who's back for the 95th year, the big receivers on the outside, they can punch up and, the, and then they don't. I mean, Mike Lockley was very confident in it when we spoke with him in Indianapolis in July, he said, we are talking about big 10 championships, uh, which is a sentence you've never heard me say here before. Um, but, and, and and I and it's splitting hairs right now, but I'm I'm just gonna put Maryland at five because I can. Uh which brings me to four. Rutgers. Um I mean they they look they look serious seriously good on on defense. Uh, Virginia now Virginia Tech uh is also not a not a great team. Uh they they lost to Purdue, so uh they should need to pay some sort of compensation to the Big Ten for getting manhandled. Um but I, I mean, I think, I mean, number 11 ranked rush defense in in, in the country. Uh, they scored 35 points against, against the Power 5 conference a team. Uh, Rutgers never does that. So they, they just, they, they have things going. Greg, Greg Schiano does right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he's done a good job, obviously, there. I mean, uh, uh, as much as he can at, at Rutgers. I mean, again, um, considering where they, they were before he got there, I mean, that's been market improvement in the in the program and they are competitive again they've they've challenged michigan at times uh, over the last couple of years and you know it's not it's not a cakewalk for michigan when they go in and play uh ruckers and you know msu's had you know challenges with with ruckers as well i mean like they you know they're not um they're not as a they're not a pushover program anymore and so you know you can definitely make a case for them being you know, the fourth team, you know, whether that's them or Maryland. Yeah. yeah. But the reason they still are not going to be able to punch all the way up with Michigan next week, as tempting as, as, uh, or as close as they may be able to make it uh, w- with the defense. I mean, they just can't move the ball through the air. Gavin wins it against Virginia tech yesterday, seven of 16 for 46 yards. Yep. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a, again the quarterback plays the you know the big uh, differentiating factor in all, <laughs> in a lot of teams' uh, trajectories and you know how far they can go. Who you got a three of the of the big three? I've got Ohio State right now. They just you know I mean the the win over Western Kentucky you know was impressive. I mean sixty three to ten, but you know they they've looked kind of shaky in the first couple weeks, and uh, the offensive line hasn't been. That's strong, and you know, there still seems still seems to be some question marks about the quarterback, uh, you know, McCord, um, and how well he's going to progress over the course of the year. Um, can he can he get you know humming and going by the time you know they play you know uh, uh, Penn State, uh, which is their first big 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 test. Uh, I mean, they play Notre Dame, but you know the, the as as far as relating to the Big Ten. Uh, you know, but that's a question. So, uh, yeah, right now I just think that they're not, you know, maybe vintage Ohio State uh, yet. Um, and that's going to be largely determined by how they perform over the next month or so. 
Yeah. The game at Ohio, at, or excuse me, at Notre Dame is this weekend. Uh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we're, yeah. we're 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 gonna find we're gonna find out soon. Um, but I think Ohio State has to be certainly. I, I had the Buckeyes at three as well. Um, but really, it's more because of where number one and two are uh, than number three. I mean, Kyle McCord, nineteen of twenty three yesterday, three hundred and eighteen yards, three touchdowns. I mean, you loved it after after how much Ohio State struggled in against Indiana in Week One offensively even if it is Western Kentucky, right? You like to see clean, uh, no problems. Um, I mean, Travion Henderson back looking healthy, Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, I mean, we, we, we know the players, we know the guys, we know the people. It's just sort of seasoning and proving it uh, is where Ohio State is, I think, I think for both of us. Uh, so I will go with my number two. And I waffled. I wanted to put Michigan but I have no backbone, so I'm not going to. No, the real reason that I'm not going to is uh, Michigan and Penn State are both are you are pretty much a coin flip still at this point. Both have elite defenses right now. Penn State's uh, offense has been uh, firing better than Michigan, but Michigan is is just more proven uh, than Penn State. So I will keep Penn State at number two, uh, just because. Uh, Penn State has not like they, they beat West Virginia, but they have not done anything that's so wowing, so impressive. They don't uh, there just hasn't been enough body of work for me to flip them over Michigan. Are you there as well? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, again, the the strength of Penn State is their is their defense and the defense has been solid. Uh, but, you know, the, the question is, is like they really haven't. Uh, I haven't played anybody yet uh, that um, you can say is uh, well. I mean, maybe West Virginia in you know, and and uh, and they just and, beat Illinois on the road yesterday, and they beat Illinois. But I don't think Illinois is any kind of you know great offense by any means, and so uh, they look pretty limited from a, in the passing game for sure. And so uh, the question is whether you know uh, they can again do that against a, a team like Michigan. Remember, I mean, Michigan did just run, run over them. You know, that, that game was supposed to be pretty, pretty tightly, uh, you know, it was supposed to be a tight competitive game last year and it just didn't end up that way um, at all. So right now, I mean, again, I mean, I'm leaning towards Michigan again, just because of their recent past uh, over Penn state, but uh, you know, I guess early on they've they've looked uh, pretty solid though too, and so uh, you, you can make an argument that Penn State should be the number one team uh, ahead of Michigan, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Michigan as well as the number one team. Yeah, and but the good news is that we. I would say we'll soon find out, uh, but Penn State's schedule is not all that much more challenging uh, than than Michigan's outside of the <laughs> when, when the big three meet one another, right? Uh, Penn State welcomes Iowa to town this week. Uh, Iowa, I think if we were power ranking the Big Ten West, would probably be on top, but that's just by default. Uh, they did not look good yesterday against Western Michigan. They were, I mean, yes, they won by 41-10, but I don't know if anyone was super impressed. Uh, then Penn State plays Northwestern, uh, has a bye. They host UMass. 
and then they go to Ohio State. So how about that? Yeah. A buy and then UMass. So really two buys before Ohio cool. State. So Penn State will have three three weeks to prepare for Ohio State. Does Penn State even turn on UMass film? Do you even? Uh, do you even well, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, they're actually UMass is actually better this year. I mean, they they brought in a bunch of transfers, and you're kind of discrediting Don Brown. I mean, uh, you know he. Uh, He's he's uh, trying to get that program off the mat, and you know again they. they, they you're right. They did yeah. actually have a decent showing at Eastern uh, this this weekend. Um, they they almost won in the, in in the, in the fourth. But I mean, like what I'm saying, yeah. Auburn Auburn beat them fifty nine to fourteen. Right. I, what I'm right. saying is you don't. Mm-hmm. And Penn State's better than Auburn. You don't need to in the middle of the season if it's week one, week two. You're still a little rusty. Like, of course, you show some respect. I mean, show some respect, but like. There is nothing UMass should be able to do that Penn State can't just shell, like do shell defenses and base sure. offenses and win sure. by a couple scores. Sure, sure. And that's uh, that's the beauty of those games. I mean, you can you kind of, you know, take it easy for a week, win a game and and uh, maybe maybe prepare for uh, the bigger opponent down the line. You know, yeah. Michigan State had that opportunity week two, but I don't know if they took advantage of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, they 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 are at different places. Uh, <laughs> Penn, Penn State and Michigan State are right now. Yeah. Um, all right, so that'll do it for week three. That'll do it for the non-conference slate. Uh, the next time we you hear from us, it will be Thursday. We will preview Michigan's Big Ten opener against undefeated Rutgers. That game is at noon on Saturday. Uh, But first, many thanks to give out. Uh, We need to thank our editor-in-chief, Nicole Avery Nichols, our executive editor, Anjanette Delgado, sports editor, Kirkland Crawford, audio engineer, Robin Chan, sports editor, and our producer, Andrew Burkle. Uh, Thank you, Reiner. Thank you to the listeners. I'm going to say it each time, Still at five stars, Reiner. Uh, and so please let's keep that going. And how about even more reviews where we're, we're getting in, uh, they're starting to climb. I, w- I want to get to 100 five-star reviews. I, I don't think that should be too difficult uh, some, sometime this football season. So thanks once again to everybody. And Reiner, enjoy your football Sunday. Thank you. Uh, should be fun. Go watch the Lions. Are they going to win? I, I mean, did they, how about this? Did they just win? Did the, did the Lions just win? Now that <laughs> now that we're listening on Monday, I'm going with yes. How about you? Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and I benched Geno Smith on my fantasy team because uh, Ford Field is going to be a snake pit. All right, uh, that'll do it. Thanks, Reiner. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.